you do need to know that. I wish they told us some more of that in med school. You do. It's important. It's it's not like this stuff just falls from the trees. You know, you got to know how to manage your practice. You got to know how to run your practice. You got to know about facilities. You got to know about a lot of things. There's a lot there. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to episode 173 of Anesthesia and Pain Management Success. I'm very pleased to be joined today by our special guest, Dr. Tarek Shavandar. He is an anesthesia and pain boarded physician from the Cleveland Clinic, currently finds himself in the Chicago metro area, and he recently had the 10th anniversary of his uh, the private practice that he founded, and it was a, that was what brought him to my attention. So I'll post on LinkedIn from him that I'm going to reference here in a minute. So Dr. Shavandar, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. So the post that uh, I that caught my eye, I want to just read this and then have you kind of fill in the gaps on <laughs> the story. Said, I almost lost everything launching my first office. In 2007, I felt I was ready to become a physician founder, but I wasn't. Looking back, I still remember those long days and longer nights. The days, unfortunately, were not full of patient care. Instead, I spent so much time and energy managing my team of billers, coders, and other office staff. I walked into work one day and received the shocking news. My team had been improperly coding our procedures and not following up in a timely fashion. We weren't getting paid for the next two months. And by we weren't getting paid, I mean me not getting paid. So tell us that story. Yeah, I mean, that that's a short summary of it. I, I started this pain clinic. I was in a, another private practice clinic, and I thought just by being in another private practice clinic that if I opened this clinic closer to where I live, which was in Oakbrook, Illinois at that time, that I would just, I just opened the doors. And since I was, I thought I was so well-trained and that everybody loved me, I would just make a ton of money. And <laughs> there's a lot to opening a, you know, an office and a clinic. Uh, it's not just like opening your doors and money comes in, people come in. There's all kinds of things that have to happen <laughs> in order to open an office. I was not prepared for it. That's basically was a rude awakening and nice, you know, punch to my ego. The lessons I learned from that was were great. I mean, I basically went academic to help compensate for that office, and, and also I was I wanted to do that, and that helped compensate my my income, which is a nice thing we can do as doctors. You know, you can still work elsewhere if your clinic's not going well, and you know, I learned my lessons, and then I opened another clinic and it was better. And then I opened this one and it's going very well, you know, and it's just a, it's, it's just a lot. I, I mean, it's a lot to learn. I, I don't think we are trained to learn how to open an office and how to do these things. And I had to learn <laughs> the hard way by basically failing at it, you know, and not that I was a bad doctor actually, but just you know, I, I sometimes wonder if I'm a better doctor now or was I a better doctor then? I might have been a better doctor then in some ways, you know, but uh, I just know how to handle opening an office better and, and deal, you know, just all the things that go with practice management. When did you first discover that medicine was a career that you wanted to pursue? Oh, man, this is this is a great question, right? Um, I was telling my son this. I, I was talking to my son about this 
uh, that I, I always wanted to be a doctor. Like I just, it's just one of, I'm one of those guys that was a gunner pre-med, you know, I was just always wanting to be a doctor. I just thought it was the greatest thing. And even, and this is probably relates to why I didn't do very well with that office. I remember I had a, you know, it's, it's it was like hard to get into medical school. It was like, and I, I, I had a relative tell me, oh, uh, you know, if you, if you can't, get into medical school, you can just, you know, be a businessman or open a business. And I was so upset by that. Like, oh my God, how could you tell me that? You know, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't be a businessman. I'm a doctor, you know, it's baloney. Wouldn't like, want to stoop that low. Yeah. That, it's not even a stooping low. It's like, oh, uh, we don't need to know that. It's like, you don't need to know that. Like that kind of stupid attitude, you know, like you do need to know that. I wish they told us some more of that in med school you do it's important it's it's not like this stuff just falls from the trees you know you got to know how to manage your practice you got to know how to run your practice you got to know about facilities you got to know about a lot of things there's a lot there i'm still learning honestly better at it now than i was so you did anesthesia residency you did a, a pain fellowship and then you spent a couple of years in academics at, at that point. Is that right? Well, I did. I actually joined a private practice group and then I missed academics. So then I went to academics for four years. And in that time, I was also, I started this other practice that didn't do well. And I just, there's a lot of reasons it didn't do well. It takes a lot to run a practice. You've got to really focus on it. You can't be, a, especially when you're starting, you need to get it. You have to have, you really need to focus and do it right. If you're going to do it, needs a strategy, needs a plan. And, and that was the one that you just referenced where you had the billing yeah. issue that, okay. Right. And the billing was terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So to, I'm curious, you know, in that this is it's all, starting a practice, starting any business is a big risk and there's capital outlay. You're probably taking on debt. You're hiring people. There's others. Livelihoods are depending on, let alone all the clinical stuff and actually doing the medicine. So I'm curious, was there a point at which you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm we're not gonna make it this time. And I'm plan B needs to be enacted. What was that inner dialogue like? Oh I mean, it's just I mean I, I knew I, I felt like I was in a little bit in trouble right away because it's like I talked to some of the family practice docs and some of the spine docs that said they'd send me patients and when I opened my doors, they weren't flying in. They were just trickling in slowly. For example, the you know, like to get on a Medicare takes six months <laughs> you know so you're and you know six months so i knew i was kind of i was already preparing like i think i had set up some locums i mean just to give me some bolus of money while i was doing this i mean that's the thing we're lucky because we can kind of go shoot off somewhere come make some money and come back right but you know then it just never it didn't pick up as fast as i wanted and then it you know by the time you get on medicare uh, that they accept that you're, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a hard process, like to get, at least back then, I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe it still is, but it was like, took me six, seven months to just get on Medicare, you know, and then all the, most of the private insurances, they won't take, pick you up until at least you're on that. That's what most of them were like, you know? So I had a couple like workers comp and auto, you know, auto things that were agreed to pay me earlier, but I, it, I mean, I was like six, I was probably, you know, the more I got into it, three months, four months, five months, six months, and I was, it was just slowly, like, it's like holding your breath underwater, right? Like, you know, you're holding your breath. How long can you hold your breath for? <laughs> so you just, yeah, it, it was hard. 
And then, you know, I just, I was like, okay, I'm going to do more academic at this point. I'm just, yeah, I just, I, I had, a, I had my lease. I kept the lease going. I would still see patients here, but it just kind of became a an office that was just one day a week, uh, you know, so, but those are hard days. Yeah. And then as you process that mentally, what kind of impact did that have? Was that like demoralizing? Was it, did you see it as a learning experience and valuable or what were you like, oh my gosh, I can never, I'm never trying this again. Was it embarrassing? I mean, it was a good hit to my ego. You know, I don't know how you, I'm sure maybe you know what I'm saying. Like I, I at the time, like I, I came from a good, a very good, I thought, you know, it was a very good fellowship and, you know, residency program. And I just felt on top of the world. And then to just, even despite going to one of these top places and being actually busy in a previous practice and just having everything go for me to like, just failing. It was, yeah, it was like demoralizing, you know, I mean, people, I know people go through that. People go through things. I, I just ended up doing more. I started doing more anesthesia, you know, it was good to, to learn to do that and to teach. So yeah, it was demoralizing. I have a lot of opinions on it. Um, so I have friends that are like chiropractors or dentists, right? And they get a lot more training on how to run a practice. Like chiropractors, I think I talked to my, um, they, I have some rel- distant relatives, but they, I have some relatives that are chiropractors. They, I feel like a, a third or a quarter of what they learned was like marketing and billing. And I remember he would tell me this stuff in med school. And I'm, I'm like, what is that stuff? You know, why are you guys learning that stuff? And I was like, God, they are smart. Like this time, I was like, God, they're smart that they learn that stuff early. Like, why don't we learn that stuff? You know? So, you know, the coding, billing, how that changes, you know. Did you feel like your fellow? So I'm curious, this is a, a common thread that I've seen among the the docs that launch practices and really do hit the ground running is that they had a a, a segment of their fellowship experience that was very rigorous in that department. And Usually it wasn't like the curriculum proper. Usually it was like, oh, there was that one doctor who was like, we're going to make sure that these fellows really get the private practice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish I had that guy. I mean, okay. I, I, I was going to say, Maybe, what was your experience on that front? You know, I mean, we would put in the codes, but it was kind of like the repeated codes that, that I, you know, the ones that I remember that we put into the EMR. And then I don't think they even cared if we did it or not half the time. Like none of the attendings where I trained cared if we did it. Like, you know, so I didn't, but that's, that is, yeah, that if I had a fellowship, I would emphasize that. I would emphasize that because that's very important. I think, yeah, that would really help. And then, but there's a whole, like, how do you, how long does it take to credential to get yourself started? How long does it take to, you know, you got to prepare, if you're going to start your own practice from scratch, you know, I mean, you could take over a practice. There's so many ways to do it, right? You could take over a practice. That'd be a good way to do it. You kind of come in, take it over. You pay the guy. I mean, there's so many good ways to do this. I just did it <laughs> the wrongest way, you know, I feel like now, you know, but, you know, it's just, it's just learning experience now. So, um, and I'm glad you're doing this program. Gosh, I wish, you know, it's all right. You know, what are you going to do? It's good. Well, thank you. I, so you, you did your private practice venture. After a couple of years, you, two years in private practice, coming out of fellowship, and then you're like, I can do this. And then you found out that it was much more difficult than you anticipated. And then you went back into academics for a little bit. But then eventually, you kind of came full circle and you thought, maybe I want to step back into the ring. So take us through that sort of process. 
So I actually didn't really want to do that. The last thing I want to do is start another practice, honestly. Okay. I was like not wanting to do that. Um, what happened was, this is kind of a funny story, I guess, but I was going to take it. Oh gosh. I don't know if your listeners were there from. So let's just, I was going to go to, let's just put it this way. I was going to go to a city that my, it was far away, a little bit far away and it wasn't that nice. And my, my father-in-law, okay, was not happy that I was going to move there. I couldn't really find a job closer to this area. My father-in-law called a big spine surgeon that he knew that he was friends with, let's say, in Northwest Indiana, which is where I practice now. And he's like, you got to get Tarek a job right now because otherwise he's moving somewhere else. And I'm not, you know, I don't want, I found this out later. Okay. So I talked to this spine surgeon and he's like, well, I'll, I'll have the hospital hire you and you'll be fine. And then the hospital actually didn't hire me. Okay, so I'm like, my back is against the wall. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to open. If I, uh, he's like, just open a pain clinic. Just open a pain clinic. I, I didn't tell him this, but I was like, I did that before and it didn't work out very well. I didn't, I didn't this is your father-in-law that. saying this at this point no, or the no, surgeon? No, this is the spine surgeon. Okay. I, okay, I'm going to open. He's like, go open the pain clinic and I'll support you. And I, I didn't want to tell the spine surgeon, sorry, you know that I had done that before. It didn't work out very well, but I know like, you know, if you have a, a busy spine surgeon supporting you, you're going to do well. It does help. You know? <laughs> and then it turned out there was like in that area in Northwest Indiana, where I was working, there was like four or five spine surgeons that had known me and they're kind of rooting for me now. Cause they tend. So then I had a bunch of them support me. And then that was, the very different experience. So when I opened my doors this time, it was, I did do it. I, I just took the plunge. I said, well, I, I think I know what I'm doing a little bit better. I, the first thing I did was I got the best biller I could find. I, I knew the steps, you know, I, I right away myself, I got myself, I did it myself. I got myself registered on Medicare. I did it myself, you know, and I did all this. I did this work myself. And so I was right on the ball with everything. I went to billing conferences. I knew all the codes myself. I made sure I knew everything myself, you know? It was just a very different experience. I opened my doors and I had real patients come in, a lot of them. And he came through, this spine surgeon did come through. I mean, they were just flying. And I still had to go through that six months where I wasn't on the Medicare, but I was prepared this time, you know? And then, yeah, when the money came in, man, it came in, you know, really did come in. But it was like, this time I was prepared for it, you know? So, yeah, and at the beginning, when you finally get on Medicare, then you get the retroactive pay for you know yeah. some of that time. I don't know if it's the full yeah. six months, maybe it's the ninety no. days or whatever the look back is. But it was just nice to get money. Okay, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was just nice to finally come in. Did so, you have yeah. a sense for what those spine surgeons were doing before you opened your practice? As far as the the pain referrals, they they were sending to local other, you know, pain docs in the area. And, and they're actually, we have a lot of good pain docs in our area, honestly, even and I, like, you know, so they were doing fine. I just had, I guess, a good enough story. And I, I came in as the underdog. I think maybe when I opened up the first time, I was, I'm from Cleveland Clinic. Who cares, man? You know, <laughs> who cares? this time I'm like, man, please just help me. And I, I had like a very different attitude, you know, and they, they wanted to help me. It was just such a different world, you know, yeah, it really worked. Is there anything you feel like you did in those early days of the second practice launch to solidify those relationships, to communicate to those surgeons your 
ethos of care and the way that you're going to communicate with them and those types of sort of intangibles? These are all very good points. I mean, I I, I think so, you know, you'd start developing your style with your, the the patients and your communication with surgeons and other doctors. And that, that does take some time to have your own kind of personality in medicine. I mean, some people have that early, right? But, you know, it took me a little while, but, you know, once I started getting this groove, like with my patients, they sense that I actually do really care about them. And I think the surgeons sense I care about their patients and them too. Like I'm not like, you know, I'm sure your listeners know this. They probably know this better than me, you know, that you don't like take a patient from a surgeon and send them to another surgeon. That's obvious, right? You communicate with the same surgeon about what's going on with their patient. You send them back, you know, for example, right? I mean, I know some practices, I actually have a cousin who practices very differently than me. He does more direct marketing to patients and he just does whatever the heck he wants. And, you know, and it's, I, I, I'm more like trying to be happy, friendly with everybody. This is different practice styles. So, Did you have a point the second time around when you thought, I think I have escape velocity on this one. I'm not going to be going back to the W-2 employed life. Yeah, yeah. There, you get that sense within uh, two years. You know, you never know for sure. You know, I'm. I just turned fifty, and I, I. I remember there was a time when I. So I don't know why that that hit me a little bit. That feeling, you know, even though I I feel good, right? Like I'm doing well. My hands are fine. All that stuff. But like, you never know for sure. You escape that. You never know for sure. But yeah, I mean, there. I was getting so many new patients. Like. There, there was a time I was, at, I knew I was not, it's too fun. You know, at that point, it's too fun running your own practice when it's going well, right? And there, you just feel like everybody loves you and it's going well. And it's like you're, you know, it's just running well. You you know, you're not going back at that point, you know, and you're, and you're doing better, like, and you're making more money. So why, why would you be employed, right? But so, um, but you never know, like right now I feel that I turned 50, you know, I'm still going, it's going well, still going well, but you know, you turn 50. I remember I talked to this administrator early on when I was like looking for my first job and one of the administrators, it was one of these hospitals, like, you know, we don't try really, he was just telling me straight, oh, you're young. We love that you're young. We try not to hire anyone over 50. I remember him telling me that and like, oh, okay, yeah, well, that's fine. And it was like, mile, like miles away, right? Now here I'm 50 already. And uh, you know, like, well, geez, now I think about that now, you know, well, here I'm 50. At 50, I still feel young. Like, I, I probably have maybe, you know, 15, 20 more years at least, I feel, you know, but you never, that never escapes you, but that keeps you fresh too. You know, you need a little fear. You need a little fear to keep you going. Otherwise, you just be the same all the time. You need to change it up. Yeah. What challenges did you encounter when you got from the point where like, I'm just trying to pay the bills and then a year or two in, you're like, okay, I'm on Medicare. I'm on the commercial payers. I'm getting money in the door. It seems like it's going to work. And then at some point you probably had to scale to some extent. You probably had some staffing expansion. Tell me about sort of now the business strategy questions are starting to hit you more than like just survival. Talk about that time period. Okay. So one of the things I did when I opened this office, so I'm I'm probably not going to answer your question correctly. I'm sorry but just how I did it. So I was a couple of ways I did it. So I, I had a building, I was renting this like kind of corner space. So as I expanded, uh, I knew the back space, I had rented this space purposely because I knew like the back space was open. It was next to the hospital, the back space where I was 
that was open. So like within a year, I already needed more space. So actually what I did is um, I had a physical therapist that was a friend of mine who was doing physical therapy for my shoulder because I really liked him. So I asked him to do physical therapy in my space. My, I knew there was a space behind me. So what I did is I just rented that space, subleased it to him. And then we kind of had this agreement. I actually would sometimes use his space a little bit if I was like overflowing. I mean, just things like that, simple things. And then I was expanding a lot. And I had this thing, like my first practice, I was at six different locations. I remember I, I didn't know where the heck I was going to be every day. Like I really hated that going from office to office. So I was like, look, um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at one office. I don't care. I'm staying at one office. They can come to me. And, and, and I actually got away with that. Okay. And then, you know, obviously it really reduces rent. So I kept on trying to take over other spaces within the building. And then I ended up just buying the building just to have, so now I have this whole building and I just opened the whole space up. That's just as far as my space. So I didn't really like make satellites or sublease at places and all the things that I know, like people do that. And then they start making, you know, you can almost have like a, so I, I joke, like, you know, I have pain physicians of Indiana. I was going to make like pain physicians of California. I have a California license, pain physicians. of. I was going to like open up franchises. I had this idea. I didn't, I didn't go in that direction. I didn't go in that direction. It's just mostly just, just focused on, on where I'm at right now. Um, I'm sure like, I don't know if you have listened, you probably have groups you've talked to that have really expanded and just, you know. Well, um, really, yeah, we certainly talked to the whole spectrum. And that's why every individual story is always interesting to me. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to make it work. I, I didn't, I didn't do that. I mean, I'm now going to probably go into another office somewhere, but, and I might start expanding a little bit. I didn't end up franchising or expanding out that way. And do you do all office-based work at this time? Or is there a surgery center that you use as well? Yeah, I, I use the hospital surgery center and then they had some investment opportunities. I did have, I feel like, I don't know if I can say all this stuff, but I mean, I did have this opportunity where I was building a pain surgery center with the hospital I work with and we had it all down. I even actually owned the building that was going to be this combined surgery center between um, myself and the hospital. And the advantage was, I mean, I'm sure your listeners might know that the surgery center, if it's close enough to the hospital, it's actually considered a hospital. So this surgery center, even though I was going to own half of it, was going to be like half owned by the hospital. And then it was going to be considered a hospital surgery center. So the payments are even better. So it's like, I was going to really win big with this one. But it just, uh, I was really close. The C, uh, our CEO of our hospital resigned or something happened. He resigned and it just didn't, you know, it's just one of those things like it was about to go through and then next guy kind of just, just fell through. So, but I mean, that was a really, really, I'm kind of far behind with that. I'm, I'm just uh, investing right now in some surgery centers, but just as, you know, just as a, not the guy who made the surgery center, but just one of the investors. Something else that's interesting about your story to me is that you started and not only was billing a pain point, it was actually as you communicated it, like the thing that sank your ship on the first go round. And then you came out of the blocks the second time around, like dead set on not repeating that. And then really becoming an expert over time. And then a couple of years ago, you're now the founder of a billing company, uh, Expert Medical Billing LLC. So tell us about sort of that journey. So this is this is a funny story. Or not a funny, it's a sad and funny story. How I, out of all the people, the guy who screwed up his billing 
to like now own a billing company that's actually expanding. I mean, we're still new, but it's expanding and it's exciting. I had, I was obviously very particular about my billing. I had in-house billing. We expanded to the point where the person that I hired to do in-house billing, uh, I had to hire someone else. And, you know, there's in-office fighting. Okay, so she just wanted her friend to do billing with her. Her friend wasn't very good. She was very good. Her friend wasn't very good at billing. And it was so obvious. And then if I want to hire someone else, then there's like competition and then there's arguments in the office. You know? So I, I had this idea like, okay, you know, I don't need any arguments. I So I ended up using a billing company. I was on top of everything. I knew it was going on a little bit more. So I went to the billing company. It saved me some space, right? So I went to the billing company and they were good. And then they weren't good. Like it just happens. Like all of a sudden they're not good. You don't, but the problem is, you don't know until three months later, right? That they're not doing well. And then I, I was going through kind of the same thing again. And I was like, oh my God, this is happening again, right? I'm, But this time I'm busy. I did not let it happen again. And then anyway, I went to, an, I had to go to another billing company and I came up with this idea to do a hybrid billing. So I, I actually, my office manager, I told, I actually paid for her to do courses, to learn how to do billing herself. So she learned how to do billing. She became a biller and so I did a double. I hired a billing company and I told the new billing company, okay, I have my own office billing. We're doing our own billing and you do billing too. And what I did is I did a hybrid system. I had in-office billing and I had them. So they're both looking at each other. One's looking from outside. One's looking from inside. They're, they're watching each other all the time. It was perfect. I had hundred percent billing, man. It was like the best ever. I probably was overpaying because I was like basically doubling my billing, but I didn't care. This billing company, COVID hit, right? This billing company went bankrupt during COVID because they're based there. Most of their doctors or whatever, they're most of them are, you know, uh, orthopedic surgeons in the Chicago area or like ENT docs in the Chicago area. So they were billing on percent of collections probably. And that yeah, just crushed them. Right. They were just getting their collections. And, and the owner is like, I, I don't know, whatever the reason was. But the ironic thing is I told my billing company also like, look, I don't want anyone messing around with my billing. I am going to be in communication with the people you hire. I'm going to know exactly. I want to know them. I want to know the people you hire. I want to be friends with them. And so the people that they were in India, there's these uh, billers from India. We were friends. I knew what's going on. And before the billing company told me they were going bankrupt, like from here, I mean, the local one, the guys in India were telling me, Tark, um, they're selling us to another company and they're cutting our costs and they're just cutting us. Yeah, they're cutting us out or they're cutting our costs or they're cutting our pay in half and we can't do it. And can, can you start a billing company? Can you just, we'll, we'll work for you and you just start one. <laughs> wow. So that's like, incredible. Yeah. So I was like, what? So I actually run a charity. I run a charity. Okay. So my background, just so you know, like I'm Syrian American and, you know, we had that civil war. Right. And I, I did some, I do some charity work. I sponsor some orphans that are in Turkey and all this. I go there and I started a company to do this. So I'm, I'm kind of used to like, I'm used to dealing with international people and setting up businesses internationally from that, not from my medicine stuff. Right. So I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake compared to that, you know? So I talked to my lawyer and we just set up the company and, and we're just working with these people now. And we we're, uh, honestly, I don't even take that much percentage. I'm not like, um, I'm not making money off the billing company personally. I just, 
I really did it to save. I mean, this, I just wanted those people that I was working with that I knew finally were doing a good job for me to do okay. Like I just wanted them to do okay. And I, I wanted to make sure my team didn't change. So I took over the company. <laughs> it's going really well. And, and I, I encourage like people who work with us, like who wants to want to do billing with us to do this like hybrid system, you know, have people in your office that understand billing and no billing, use us, kind of do like a hybrid system. Or you can, if you want, I mean, you can trust us, but stay diligent, even with us, like we're, no one's perfect, right? You know, like the billing companies that I've worked with, no one's perfect, like we make mistakes, but we want to fix them for you as soon as possible. I don't want anyone to get screwed over. I'm a practicing physician. I want to worry about my office. We have teams of people helping, you know, we have teams of people helping me and helping, you know, whoever works with us. I don't want anyone to get screwed over, you know, that's the last thing I need to be a headache with a ton of other doctors. I just, but you got to stay on top of your own billing. And if there's any problems, we'll work with you to change it as soon as possible. I'm there with you guys, you know, just like you are, you know, and that's why you do this program, I'm sure. But it's like, you know, and, and we're a dinosaur, this, this private practice pain, you know, the guys doing this, we're dinosaurs. I'm rooting for you guys. You know, I'm rooting for the people on the show. And me both. You and me you both. Know, like, because we're dinosaurs, but, you know, there's studies that show we're the happy, if you do it right, you're the happiest doctor. You're the happiest doctor. So do it, man. Do it right. Let's take it back. We can't form a union, but let's do it. Let's do it right. Let's take it back. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, all I can say is absolutely. That's that's a big part of why APM success exists and why I love to elevate and amplify stories like yours, Dr. Shabandar. So you, another thing you said recently on LinkedIn, which is the main medium that I had to like understand who you were professionally before this conversation was position owners are tired. And I think your observations of your physician peers, as well as your work in the billing space, gives you a, a unique sort of cross section of medicine. So tell me about like what are you seeing out there? You know, what's the what's the temperature of the room, especially amongst your private practitioner peers? So if you're a private practice doctor, yeah, I mean you're you're tired. You're you're just, I mean, you got to worry about so many things, right? You you've been through. You've been through all this training, you know, you come out, you go through all this training, you go through all this hard hardship, you try to get your boards, you know, you do your board exams and you're dealing with, you know, you're trying to stay on top of your field of medicine, right? So you got all these things to deal with. You got to deal with malpractice, right? You got to deal with how many things, you know, the hospital administration, you know, you have this, you have also, we're losing our decision making, we're losing our ability to make decisions, medical decisions on our patients. Uh, there's all kinds of issues. I'm sure you've heard of like, you know, I mean, even like in pain space, you got the opioid drug seekers. I mean, you know, and that's really frustrating. Most of us want to reduce pain and then you got to deal with that. So yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of fronts where it's frustrating. So, I mean, I think, I don't remember what I was referencing exactly. I have to go back to the article, but like having some control you know, having control of your practice, having some control, it, it does give you some of that back, you know. So I think, you know, just having that control, controlling your practice, being on top of it and kind of being ahead of the wave. It's like surfing, right? You just want to be ahead of the wave. Then it, it actually can be fun. Like you can you can do it. Like you guys, everyone, I'm sure is smart enough to do it. We just got to be off our, you know, we're not too good for business at all. In fact, we need to be on top of the business. You can do it. And it's just like being ahead of that wave, catching that wave and just being ahead of it. 
Have you had any mentors or others who you felt like either blazed the trail for you business-wise and practice management-wise or other influences or resources that you've drawn heavily upon as you've developed your business acumen? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, unfor- it's fortunate, unfortunate. My, I, I have family members that are younger than me that were successful be- like <laughs> before me. Like I was into it like five, 10 years, right? And then I think, I mean, there are, okay, so there are old people older than me that were before me and then it's it's just and I did approach them as some you know it's just they don't give me really great advice like hard work or I I don't know like actually my dad was a physician but he's OB gynae and OB gynae is like very hospital based it's not like it's not the same but the people who I I relied on were like the chiro like sometimes chiropractors that were relatives or and some of the dentists that were relatives like my brother in law who was successful my mo- you know like my mother in law so there are people local people that I knew that had done well, even though they were younger than me, business-wise in this space. And then I just, I saw how they did it. I saw how they were on top of their billing. I saw how they did their marketing, you know, how they presented themselves. And I mean, it's not that hard, right? It's just, it's just, gosh, why didn't I know that? You know, and then some people are just naturally better at it than others, you know? And so I, I had to develop it. And, you know, I'm actually introverted, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. So like, you know, I have to be kind of like coaxed to keep pushing and push the boundaries, you know, but it's worth it. It's worth it. For anybody out there in our virtual auditorium who's listening and either is a fellow considering a practice launch or maybe an acquisition or somebody who's maybe in either a private practice where they feel like totally bound or an academic setting and it's not a good fit for them. And they're thinking about like crossing that threshold and doing what you did, you know, 15 years ago, what advice would you share with them or what ways did you feel like you were unprepared and they should be thinking ahead? Talk to someone who's done it before step-by-step step, if they're willing, you know, I know it's competitive out there. I think that's kind of my, my problem when I, I, I didn't know who to go to maybe the first time I did it because I mean, we didn't have we did have internet, right? But like, I never got very good advice. Not Google search starting a medical practice. You get some bogus website. I mean, you know, it's very generic. But if you can talk to someone who's done it before and ask step by step, like you got to start with, I mean, there's a, there is a step by step. It's a very cookbook. I've done it twice. You know, there's a very cookbook way to do it. You can do it. You know, it's actually very cookbook. You do this step, this step, this step, this step. It's, it's very straightforward. If you can find someone even myself, if you want to talk to me, or I'm sure maybe Justin, maybe you can help. You know, there is a way to do it. There are people that will help you. If you want to really do it yourself, completely like from scratch, for me, you're taking, you can do it. You can do it. It, it is a little bit hard. If you want some advice, we can give you some advice. But yeah, you want to seek out some advice and just like, you know, it takes a while to get on Medicare. It takes a while to get, you know, how you can do it. Like I know like some states like California is much worse. Like it takes a lot, even much longer, you know? So, I mean, so, you know, talk to someone local about how to start a practice. I do think it's good to get a couple of years in academic or at another place first. Personally, I have relatives. I don't know how the heck they do it. They just come straight out and open their doors and then they're doing fine. You know, I think, you know, the reps, you know, like the reps help sometimes like Medtronic and those guys, they can actually help you. So, you know, get all the, uh, our, our societies can help you. There's different societies we have. They definitely can help you. So yeah, get all the help you can get. And don't be intimidated by the way. I went, this is the other thing that happened to me. I get the reason, one of the things I, I went to one of these society meetings. Okay. And they had this HIPAA. Gosh, I hope I don't get in trouble with this. Okay. There's like, 
They had HIPAA, Stark rules. You know, they they presented all the people went to jail for billing fraud, and which is important. I mean, obviously, look, none of us want to break the laws, right? I got really, I was already not doing well. I was like, forget it. Yeah, I had it, right? But so I had I, this, you know, this time I met with a, a lawyer, okay, before I opened my practice. And I kind of went over all my concerns. And he told me this, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this, okay? He told me. He said to me, like, I was all concerned with all these rules, you know, and it sounds crazy. It's just a crazy world. If you look at all the rules, like, how do you start this? He looked at me and he was like, Tarek, do you drive 55? You like drive exactly 55 miles per hour? I was like, no. It was kind of like that. I mean, he didn't tell me to break the laws. I mean, I would never say that, right? But you're not, I mean, there's some leeway, like, you can drive 60. It's okay. I mean, you don't want to do it right in front of a cop necessarily or 70, 75, maybe 80. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Right? You, you, you want to be careful, right? You want to, you're not trying to break the law, but I mean, it's a practice, right? You're, you're, as long as you're not blatantly breaking the law, you have some leeway. And so don't worry too much about it, but have a plan. You know, just remember, it's going to take six months till you see your first paycheck. So just be ready for that. <laughs> yourself enrolled in medicare right away those are the first two steps okay i mean i don't know i mean i could probably you gotta find a space that's you gotta find your space right you gotta find your space so you maybe sublease at first you know that's like i'm just giving you some tips but like yeah get help get some people ask a lot of people you know just like this listen to all the justin harvey's podcasts listen to all of them i'm gonna listen to all of them now that's funny you're very kind so I want to wrap up here. I really thank you for your time, Dr. Shabandar. Anybody who's listening who either wants to get in touch with you to ask your perspective on a practice launch or who's interested in engaging your billing company to perhaps right. do billing for the practice, what's the best way to get in touch with you? It's good. Well, we do have a, a website. So that's probably the best way to do it. It's expertmb.co, E-X-P-E-R-T-M-B.co. It's probably the best way. Just go on the website. And uh, there's contact information, all that. So that's probably the best way to do it. Awesome. So for any of our listeners, we'll post all relevant links here in the show notes. So apmsuccess.com slash 173 for episode 173. And we'll post links to uh, Dr. Shabandar's practice, his billing company, his any contact info that he wants to share. And you can get all that there. Dr. Tarek Shabandar, thank you very much for joining us today on APM Success. Hey, thanks a lot. That was really nice. Thank you. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com, where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success. Today's podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing you heard today should be construed as advice for you or your specific circumstances, especially as it pertains to taxes, investments, legal or healthcare compliance questions. Always consult a qualified expert who knows your circumstances in order to get appropriate professional advice.